Okay, hello again. <laughs> um, I have another uh, important uh, podcast to share with you. Um, and it's a debate in reference to infections versus injections and the pandemic update. So these are the per capita graphs. We see the UK is going up. And this decline in cases in the United States is an artifact because of reduced reporting and reduced testing over the Christmas holiday period. And we see that South African cases have gone up as well. The reason I've included South Africa today is because of this new variant that's in South Africa. And they've actually surpassed a million cases uh, per day. So um, welcome, of course, to this video. Thank you for coming back. Now, getting back to the graphic here, the the concern about South Africa is we know there's been a new mutant in the UK, what we're calling on this channel the Kent mutation. Apologies to people in Kent. It's the 2020-12 mutation that's now spreading throughout the UK, really quite dramatically. But there's been a similar mutation that's arisen completely independently in South Africa, which is also making the virus more transmissible. So South Africa's gone over a million cases now, which which is quite a concern. So go, going back to that graph there, we see the increase in cases in South Africa is nothing like as bad as the United States or the United Kingdom on these figures. But of course, we have to take into account testing. And we see that the uh, United States testing has gone down over the holiday period. The UK has actually gone up. But South Africa is basically not testing anything like as much. So the real numbers in South Africa could well actually be be higher than the numbers in in, um, the United Kingdom and the United States. That is quite possible from that data. So, as I've said, welcome. I want to talk about the UK mostly today. Um, We will mention some data from the United States as well. Now, the thing is, the cases are increasing dramatically in both countries, and we're not in a good position. There's no point trying to sugarcoat this. The position is not good at the moment. So let, let's let's get into some detail on that. Um, so the United Kingdom um, cases. Best to take the seven-day rolling average at the moment. So the, the seven-day rolling average for the last week we've averaged thirty-five thousand four hundred seventy-five new cases per day. That's the average to the twenty-fourth of December, which is as far as the uh, as the date the official data gives us at the moment. Um, Hospitalisations have increased by 2,143, 21,286 people in hospital at the moment. Now, this is causing a significant strain on healthcare provision in many parts of the country. London, Southampton, just to name a couple of examples, are under extreme stress already, and it's not even January yet. so hospitalizations were that the, the, the previous peak was on the 12th of April when it reached 21,683. Uh, so we can, we can see that basically we are basically where we are at, where we were at, at the peak of the first wave. So in terms of hospitalizations now, the, the, the second peak, the second wave is as bad as the first as the first peak was, we've got more cases built in. I'm going to give you an example of that, about the delay. We know hospitalizations and pressure on hospitals are going to increase over January. Vaccination, well, okay, that's 
pre-Christmas data, uh, but it's, it's, it's going, but it's not as fast as we like. And of course, we're going to run out of the Pfizer vaccine in January. Now, I did stick my neck out a few weeks ago, and I said that the Oxford vaccine would be authorised today or tomorrow. Well, as of recording now, um, early afternoon, um, it, it hasn't been authorised yet. Um, but I, I think it will be tomorrow. So they've um, already run out of the Pfizer. I'm sticking with that they... at the moment. It's certainly going to be soon, and it's certainly going to be positive. There's no question about that. And that's going to massively, massively increase this number. So the the vaccination graph is going to... So it's going up a bit now, but when the Oxford vaccine comes, it's going to absolutely scoot up, which is absolutely brilliant. We're going to vaccinate a million people a week in January with the Oxford vaccine. So the race is infections versus injections. Infections versus the injections for the vaccine. And at the moment, infections are way, way ahead. Now, this will change in about March. It's going to take time, using the UK as an example. The United States, similar. Canada rolling out a bit quicker. Um, it will change, but it's going to take quite a bit of time. We've got bad times ahead before we get to that, when the vaccines start to take the, uh, the lead, the injections start to, taking the lead over the infections. Deaths in the UK now, uh, that's 70,752 deaths within 28 days of a positive swab test. Um, the deaths rose by 3,062 in the past week, giving just 80,000 deaths if we count death certificates. Now, this is the death certificate data with deaths. This one here is the, uh, the, the uh, data from positive tests. COVID mentioned as one of the causes. Now, of course, you could argue about this because on a death certificate, it'll, give, it'll, it'll typically give several causes of death. So someone might have died of a pneumonia secondary to heart failure or something like that. But COVID, COVID is there. So these people, COVID was a factor in their deaths. And that, that gives us a higher number. Most of these people would have lived for a bit longer had it not been for COVID and someone would have lived for a long time longer quite how many we don't know so so the real number of deaths in the uk is, is in the 70,000s. i think we can say that fairly safely now i wanted to point out that we're going to be having big problems in january february no question about it guaranteed in the united kingdom and the united states and many other parts of the world as well and this is why now now the i'm not saying these are accurate sort of scientific figures but well no the figures are accurate so on the 14th of december there was an extra 20,264 cases diagnosed. So that was diagnosed in the UK. Now, um, 13 days later, which is about the delay that we we get, so typically between someone getting infected and someone someone being hospitalised is a 13-day delay. That's pretty well what we're seeing. Um, Hospital admissions uh, on the 27th of December were 2,100. 43. In other words, these infections that occurred then got sick enough to be hospitalised then. That is the delay. The people that got sick, the people that were first symptomatic then got sick enough. The proportion of them that are hospitalised got sick enough to be hospitalised then. And that works out at 10.5% of those that were officially diagnosed. Now, this is a horrendously uh, large number. But we're probably picking up about half of the actual infections. 
So it still means that around about 5% of people that get infected require some level of hospital care. And because the cases are going up so dramatically at the moment, as we've seen, inevitably the demand for hospital care is going to go up and deaths are going to go up after that because of this delay effect. So the people getting sick now, the 28th of December, well, they're, they're, they're going to be getting sick into, into the second week in January. So um, we always have this delay effect and, and that illustrates it. So it looks like we're still looking at round about the, uh, the 5% mark for, for the percentage of people being hospitalised. It, 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 is, it is high. Now, to illustrate the stresses that we're under already, uh, London Ambulance Service, for example, and we have looked at ambulance services in the United States under similar stress. Emergency calls on the 26th of December, just under 8,000. Up two and a half thousand from the same day last year. And this number here is the same as the peak on the first wave. So hospital and ambulance services are ready are stretched as much as they were at the height of the peak back in, in April, as we said, <coughs> early April, as we said. But we've got this built-in, baked-in, um, massive cases that are going to feed through in January. Um, NHS England have been speaking. Uh, the entire health service remains on the highest alert till the end of March, at least, at least till the end of March. Hospitals have been told to mobilise all available all of the available surge capacity over the coming weeks. Surgical patients can be moved to private facilities in some instances. Dis hospitals have been told to discharge as many patients as possible and prepare the Nightingale hospitals, the emergency field hospitals for opening. So the NHS has well and truly been put on, on an emergency footing by NHS England and, and, and the devolved administrations are doing the same. The Scottish government was just saying today that their hospitals could be overwhelmed in January. Um, it's not a good situation. Uh, London's Royal Free Hospital, Big Teaching Hospital in London, cancelled all non-emergency surgery until mid-February. I mean, these poor people, it's, it, it, all, the, all the stress and anxiety of waiting for an operation, it's terrible, you know. I mean, I mean we, we, we used to give people, uh, in the old days, we used to give people morphine or, or diamorphine before surgery just to... To, to, to reduce their anxiety and, uh, and to calm them down it's, it's, it's a frightening thing and, and to have all that you know to be looking forward to that for or, or anticipating that for weeks or months and then just have it cancelled it's devastating absolutely devastating um, so Sir Jeremy Farrer scientific advisory group for emergencies he's been talking on the BBC reopening schools in January is finally balanced we don't know what's going to happen it's going to be a trade-off one thing or another you can't have everything. In other words, what he's saying here is, well, if you want the R value to be below one and you want the schools open, then you've got to shut something else down. If you shut the schools down, then you can open something else. You can't have everything. It's a trade-off for the overall amount of infections that are transmitted in the community. You cannot have the whole of society opening and schools opening and further education and universities. You can't have both. If you want to keep the R value below one with this variant, because everything now is more difficult in the UK with this new, more infectious variant. It's, the pandemic has taken a real turn for, for, for increased levels of difficulty because of the increased 
levels of transmission. Now, on that theme, I want to talk about what is a, a, a national humiliation in the UK, um, a British national disgrace. So Verbia is a upmarket Swiss ski resort. Um, it, it's pretty, you know, it's very expensive. And I've, let's put it this way, I've never been there. I suspect most of you can't afford to go there either. It's, it's nowhere sort of film stars and royalty types go. So, um, so UK to Switzerland flight stopped on the 20th of December. But the Swiss authorities on the 21st of December got news about the new, more infectious variant from the UK, and obviously they don't want it in Switzerland. Of course not. The UK basically needs to be quarantined at the moment because of this new, highly infectious uh, or more infectious strain. The, the, de- the last data we had, the actual modelling data, looked like it was about 55% more transmissible, which is very significant. It means that particular level of uh, restrictions to prevent infection that stopped the the, the infections with the uh, with the old with the old form of the virus are no longer being going to be enough. It will carry on increasing. You need higher levels of, of restrictions to contain this more contagious form of the virus. Um, so. Um, so arrivals from so the Swiss authorities said arrivals from uh, the UK since the 14th of December need to self-isolate for 10 days because they have this new information. Absolutely, 100% the correct thing to do. And the Swiss authorities in this resort tracked down 420 people that were travelling on British passports. Uh, they checked a few days later and half, half were missing that the news report said uh, flogen. they had flown, they had fled. What? Um, some later reporting to hotels in France. Now this is just no. utterly, utterly unacceptable. The Swiss authorities put these people under quarantine to stop this new variant spreading in the Euro-Asian landmass. And 200 people in this elite resort, the expensive resort, just hopped it. See, of course, I mean, the, rule, the rules, you see, they apply to ordinary people like you and me. They don't, they don't apply to rich people. Uh, and probably very important people, the rich and important. So they can obviously do what they want. I mean, th- th- this is just... You sense my contempt. Completely, utterly unacceptable behaviour. Totally outrageous. Some rang the hotels trying to get the money back after they'd hopped it, fled, skedaddled, got on the bikes, moved on. Complete contempt for Swiss law. And I really hope the Swiss authorities track this lockdown, and um, I hope the British authorities do. They they should should be prosecuted with something. It's just simply outrageous. This means the new variant is now much more likely to spread in Switzerland and France. And we know the, the effect it's had in the UK. It's unbelievable that these people would do that. And it is a national disgrace. And I really hope they're held to account because mm-hmm. lack of accountability, as we looked at yesterday, has been a recurring theme in this pandemic. People that should have been held accountable, nations that should have been held accountable have not been. And it's simply not good enough that these people did that. So um, obviously these people uh, don't watch my videos. Um, 
they, they wouldn't want to hear anything that might inconvenience their lifestyles. Um, but if you know any of them, uh, pass on my um, um, advice. Castigation. Right. 2020 variant: um, Denmark, Germany. Singapore, France, Japan, Spain, Austria, Lebanon, Switzerland, Netherlands, Canada, Italy, Canada, uh, South Korea as well. Um, now, so far, these cases have been picked up and have been linked to the UK. Now, yesterday, the data I had was that the, case, the couple in Canada who caught it had no links to the UK. Further um, epidemiological investigation has shown that they have. So that's good news because we were feared community transmission in Canada. That may well not be the case. Having said that, we simply don't know. Testing in the United States <laughs> remains very low. We haven't heard back from the test done in San Francisco yet, so looking, looking forward to getting that data. Uh, as negative, let's hope it is, but we, we simply don't know yet. Right, the United States itself. Now, just go on to the graphic here for the United States. Uh, th this downturn here is, is very artifactual. This is the Thanksgiving one. This is what happened afterwards. So what we will see, this line here in the United States, is going to go up steeply in the next week. And the reason we can be sure of that is that um, the cases which have not been reported over the past few days will be reported all at once. Mm -hmm. So next week the cases will be artifactually higher and the line will go up steeply because this week they are artifactually lower. The case, the, the question is what curve, what, what shape will the curve take um, after that? So was this a Thanksgiving surge or was it just catching up from cases here? Because it did seem to level off a bit after that. Um, the consensus of opinion is that Thanksgiving has caused an increase in cases and the Christmas uh, period will. And this, this is the same um, all over, actually. Uh, it's, it's certainly the case in, in, uh, in the UK where there's going to be increased cases from Switzerland, uh, from, from, <laughs> from Christmas. There'll be increased in the last article. Increasing cases from, um, from Christmas. And, and another concern in, in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the States, actually, but New Year is a really big deal in, in the UK, especially... In Scotland, they have Nubdi in, in Scotland and it's kind of New Year time. And, uh, you go first footing, it's, it's a big tradition. The, 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 the first foot is the person that goes to a household wishing that household a happy new year. Basically, that can't happen unless it's from the end of a garden uh, drive, of course, or then it can. But, but um, it's a concern. Um, so this holiday period, we've got Christmas and New Year rolling together. Um, it, it, it's a concern for increasing cases, it really is. Right, um, getting back to some more United States data. Um, so they're, they're the trends we've just looked at. Now, the official U, uh, US hospitalizations, I'm not even going to bother putting it up because it hasn't been updated since the 21st. I mean, click on it yourself. It hasn't been updated from the 21st of November. What is going on here with, with this official hospitalization data? It used to be about two weeks delay, and now it's like five weeks delay. Hmm. Whoever runs that website really needs to get their act together because you know this is an aspect of data that the public is just not being able to access at the moment. Fortunately, we are getting the data from other sources, but not from that official website. So um, I really hope they do get that. Uh, it's, it's this one here. 
I really do hope they get that updated. 21st of November, I mean, it's weeks ago, come on. Right, um, cases in the United States up 152,000, but that is, as we've seen, uh, just reminding ourselves, that is artifactually low. So that's saying that new cases are around about, around about here, isn't it? Which, uh, wish it were the case, but we know that the real cases here are well in excess of 220,000 per day. So um, that would be good if it was, but, but it's not, it's artifactual. Um, the Atlantic website, the COVID symptom, not the COVID symptom tracker app, the, the COVID tracking project in the United States estimates 7.1%, and, and that's probably low. The real figure is, is about 10 point something percent, probably, based on the last week or two. Hospitalizations, though, in the United States, 118,000, 22,447 in intensive care, 7,887 on ventilators, and deaths in the United States has now reached well over 300,000, 324,000. Right, so I am going to finish on some good news. Um, the vaccines are well on the way, but I've come across a new trial that's being conducted based from the United Kingdom, and it's called uh, Storm Chase, so it's double-blind placebo-controlled trial, exactly what we like, exactly what we need, and it's into monoclonal antibodies. Now, what happens here is that they take the cells that make the antibodies and combine those with other cells that are called immortal cells. So basically, you get a brew of cells that's making these antibodies for you, just like, just like yeast makes alcohol. And you collect these antibodies, but these antibodies, of course, are specific. Uh, SARS coronavirus, two antibodies, they will neutralize the, the virus. So they're the same antibodies that the body would make had it been infected. They're the same antibodies that the body would make um, had, had, they, had you been vaccinated. But you don't have to make them yourself that you receive them as an intramuscular injection into the muscle. Now, if you um, have the infection yourself or if you're vaccinated and you're making your own immunity, that's called active immunity. You become immune because of the activity of your immune system. But if you receive the antibodies that have already been synthesized for you, that's called passive immunity. So this is an example of passive immunity. and We've been doing it for years. I mean, I was giving gamma globulin injections back in the early 80s anyway and we still draw an A&E sometime we still give uh, tetanus antibodies if we're not sure about someone's tetanus status and they've got a wound which would be uh, likely to cause tetanus so we still do this, it's a recogn very recognised medical procedure and um, th 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 this, the reason I'm reporting this is I'm convinced it's going to work so they give two different monoclonal antibodies so that the antibodies are these Y-shaped immune proteins that you might remember and what they do is they, if that's if that's the virus, if that's the virus there, and that's the, uh, the spike proteins that we're aware of. What these antibodies do is they uh, they they'll, they'll bind onto that uh, they'll bind onto that spike protein like that. Then you've got a big sort of lumpy antibody on the on the spike protein, so it no longer fits into the receptor site and can't cause the infection. It neutralizes the virus. Exactly the same as happens with vaccination or with uh, active infection. 
Now, this only gives the antibodies. It doesn't stimulate the effect of the uh, of the T cells or the uh, the B cells or the, uh, the, the the macrophages, the other cells that fight the infection. It just just affects the antibodies. But as a short term treatment, I'm expecting it to work. I, I'm really convinced this is going to work. So the, the um, sec- uh, starting the second of December, the phase three trial. They're recruiting these people now. They're recruiting healthcare workers, students in shared accommodation, recently exposed patients, patients in long-term care, military and factory workers, people with a high risk of getting the uh, the infection, the SARS coronavirus two infection. And the great thing about this treatment is, is it could be given prophylactically before you're exposed. So, for example, if someone in your household was exposed, someone could come around and give you the injection to stop you getting it, giving you passive immunity for a period of time, uh, which would be great. And the other thing is, if people get the infection when they've got this passive immunity, they can get what you call active on passive immunity, where they actually make active immunity while enjoying passive immunity, so they don't get sick but still become infected. Uh, so, so they become infected but become immune without getting sick. That's a theoretical possibility anyway, that's called active on passive immunity. We all get this when we're babies. So, so when I was born, my blood was full of my mum's antibodies, and those antibodies protected me from the viruses and bacteria in my environment. Otherwise, I would have died days after birth. I had passive immunity from my mum, and then as I was exposed to all these viruses and bacteria, I made my own immunity while still enjoying immunity from my mum's antibodies. That's the active on passive immunity. So this is a great idea. I don't know why it hasn't done, been done before. I don't know why the World Health Organization and these other major uh, groupings didn't really uh, seem to focus on this one because I remember talking, the first interview I did with Professor Ragad in, in Baghdad, you might remember, she said, this will work. This therapy will work. And um, I, I agreed with her at the time. But now, but now finally we seem to be getting there. So the trial reports on the 4th of January. Hopefully this could be approved as early as March, probably April. Um, and it's, been, it's, a, it's a combination with AstraZeneca, which is doing a lot of good work in this uh, pandemic, and University College London Hospital virologists um, as well. So it's NHS-AstraZeneca collaboration. So Dr. Catherine uh, Houlihan, um, we know that this antibody combination can neutralise the virus, so she knows that. Um, we hope to find that giving this treatment via injection can lead to immediate protection. Immediate protection, fantastic. Against the development of COVID-19 in people who've been exposed, or people who could potentially be exposed. And there's another arm of the trial there, the ProVent arm of the trial, which is examining this in um, people who have immunocompromised. So I'm expecting that to work. And this will basically be an instant treatment. It's remarkably good news. March or April. Um, monoclonal antibody, specific neutralization of the virus. Uh, it could be, it will prevent infections and it can basically, hopefully, don't like the word cure, but um, it will have a dramatic beneficial effect on people that are currently ill. And of course, that guy in America, what was his name? Um, Donald Trump, the president himself, received What's that uh, treatment um, himself when he was infected by I guess you don't like him. COVID-19. Now, my technician has told me to give you another blast of this um, book application here. So 
let's see if I can do that. Good news is that quite a few people in poorer areas have been downloading this. So what you do is you download it from the YouTube on your phone. You go on to that one. Um, and uh, it takes you directly onto the... Uh, this, is, this, is, this is the free download for my books. So you go on to there. And you go on to uh, Contents. And then I'm on the Physiology book at the moment. So you, I'm on Contents now. So that there's the chapters. So uh, I've just been, let's, let's look, carry on looking at nutrition. So go down to nutrition and metabolism chapter. And now we're on that chapter. So you can uh, now read about nutrition and metabolism. And the, the idea of this is there's no messing around in this book. It's just facts. Malnutrition refers to a state of abnormal nutrition. This will develop when there is deficiency or excess of one or more dietary components. So <laughs> there you go. Um, download it for yourself. So all, 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 all you do is um, all you do is you go on to uh, YouTube on your phone. I'm going to turn this off now in case anyone rings me. You go on to YouTube on your phone, and then you um, you click on the link that I'm going to put in the in the description, and then you uh, just read it with a with a PDF reader and it's free. And I have heard that people in quite a few poor areas are downloading it, which is why I wanted to make it available. Uh, it's available. It's, it's available for free download. And the, the pathophysiology book is there as well. So do avail yourself of that. Why not put it on your phone? At any time you're bored, you can have a read. Right. That is us for today. Um, just glad to see that Winston has changed his mask again. What he does is every time he goes out, he takes his mask off and he puts it straight in the washing machine and he washes it in hot, so hot, so hot soapy water. So he's actually changing his mask several times a day so he hasn't got an old, dirty, contaminated mask on. And, uh, of course, we should follow his example and do the, do the same thing. So, well done, Winston. Let's Thank close with a few of your smart. pictures. Um, this project is to kind of let people just... What, is, what does the pandemic mean for you? What was your experience of it, really? So now, I was going to show these yesterday, and in an act of incredible incompetence, I completely hashed up. And I think you got a view of me, which is not what you want. Uh, you wanted to see the pictures, but now I'm confident you are seeing the pictures and not me. Good. So Carl sent this in from Florida. Now, this is Carl's bank, I think, in Florida. And they're putting this completely new ventilation system. Isn't that fantastic? So it's sucking the air out. <coughs> now it looks like a dehumidifying component there. And then this is all being vented. So the viral load is being reduced for these customers. Absolutely brilliant. There's the unit, another unit there in Carl's Bank. And the door's open. So thanks for that, Carl, in Florida. I must say, the ventilation in many facilities in the UK... I mean, the only place I go to now is supermarkets when I have to, but um, the ventilation's still not anything like I'd like it to be. You know, let, let's follow the example of uh, Florida, and uh, if we can't do that, just open some doors. Um, right, let's go back to the pictures. There we go. So thanks for those, Carl. Appreciate that. Um, now, this is the experience of uh, Decky in Washington. Okay, plague of power, fair enough. Good uh, Now this is uh, Esme. Uh, I, I don't know where Esme watches, but uh, 
She's looked after at the moment by Thomas and Lucy, so thank you for your permission, Thomas and Lucy, to use this picture. And it's great to know we are attracting viewers of little stars. <laughs> so thank you for watching, Esme. Thank so you. Yeah. tiny one. Cool. Right. That is us for today. Um, glad I put that good news in. The vaccines are coming, but we've got difficult times. And uh, mm. no, we say it repeatedly. You know, it depends. Our health depends on everyone else. We all have to toe the line on this one for the next month or two until the vaccines, the injections take over the infections. Thank you for watching, of course. Okay, so now he is uh, thanking when you watch. Before he would just end the video and you weren't sure if he was done or not. Um, so uh, he's totally bought into um, the injection. 100% bought into it. Um, and is encouraging everybody to get their injections. I don't know whether he's looked at some of the other information. He may think it's just conspiracy theory or whatever, but um, he's a doctor, so doctors believe in injections. That's just the way it is. So thank you for watching and listening, and I'll talk to you in a little bit. Thanks. Bye-bye.